this week on the Divided Opinion podcast. Yeah, it's hot enough in the UK and it's, it's certainly heating up in the transfer window as well. I'm not sure. I just find it hard to see how people can criticise Bruno Fernandes. Chelsea fans might lose patience with Tuchel if if they have a particularly poor season. I think it will be a player to watch this season, Saliba, and how it developed because he is not going to be happy sat on the bench. He just isn't. I don't know, I can, I'm going to put it out there now and I can see by September the 1st Neymar being a Manchester City player. I'm going to say it now. Watch this space. Hello and welcome back to the Divided Opinion Podcast. Another episode of the Divided Opinion Podcast. We've returned. And we've picked possibly the worst day to return. It's going to get up to about 39 degrees in the UK today. It's bright and early in the morning, but it's still absolutely boiling. How are you faring up, Westy? Yeah, I'm a bit, a bit knackered. Um, just melting here. Uh, about four hours sleep last night, so feeling sharp and ready. <laughs> picked a great day to be back, but it's certainly good to be back. Yeah, it's hot enough in the UK and it's, it's certainly heating up in the transfer window as well. That's what we're going to be discussing today. We're going to be discussing them, debating them, how we think they're going to get on next season. And yeah, it's just going to be kind of a, a chilled out podcast really, just to ease ourselves back into the swing of things. We'll we'll start, Westy, with probably the, the most pressing matter, well, in your life at least. We'll talk about the Manchester United transfer window. Also, guys, if you do hear a, a bit of background noise... Some cars going past, etc. I do apologise, but there we cannot all, not there, have the windows open. There will also be a fan in the background in my room, so any small. I don't think it should be well, too in, too much of an interruption, but no, that should be alright, mate. It should be alright. I think the people at home can understand. Yeah, we'll start off with Manchester United. I mean, Tyrrell Malasia from Feyenoord. I think for around fifteen million, I want to say. Yeah. Euros, I think that is, is that? Yeah, about twelve million pounds, I think. And then Christian Eriksen on a free transfer, obviously with Brentford last season. Was very impressive as well with, with Brentford last season. And then Lissandro Martinez hasn't been confirmed yet, but I think it's oh, it, had, any, it got any confirmed now. yesterday. Oh did it? Right, yeah. it's been confirmed. So Lissandro Martinez from Ajax to Manchester United for forty five million pounds, is that? Or is uh, that Euros again? Um, Fifty-seven million pounds, sixty-five million euros. Fifty-seven. I didn't realise it was that much. That is crazy. I didn't realise it was that much. I mean, what is your understanding? How do you take it in terms of the player? Where where's he going to play? Where's he going to slot in? Um. Well, I. I think a lot of a lot of the fans will have will. I think including me when I first saw it happening, and obviously the options that we have at the moment. We're always looking for someone to be sort of depth and back up at the back. Um, but I think a lot of people think he's going to slot in at the holding midfield role because obviously that's a position we're looking for. And maybe if you sign someone who can play all them roles, it, it's better than having just sort of a 
someone who can just play in that one position. But I think uh, Ten Hag said when he was at Ajax about Blind and Martinez that neither of them had the stamina to play in midfield. Right. I think Martinez played there for some games when they had injuries and suspensions and stuff like that. But I do think I don't think you spend fifty-five, sixty million pounds on the centre back if you're not sure where you're going to play him and he's not going to be playing in his favourite position. So I think they've they've signed him probably in mind that Varane probably can't keep. Probably won't stay fit for fifty percent of the games. It's just how he is, and it's it's disappointing because he's a top player. But I think we could see Maguire and Martinez play a, a lot next season. Right? Yeah. You know, I think you you're right. To be fair, in terms of Varane's fitness, and it was disappointing last season because I did think he made an impact when he when he was fit. But yeah, I, I agree as well that I don't see United spending that much money if they haven't got a specific position in mind for him and where he's going to slot in. And, I mean, I've seen highlights of him. I've seen him marking Darwin Nunes out of the game. I think there's a video about with, with Haaland, him marking Haaland going about as well. He does look like a really good player. I think it'll be interesting. I think there is obviously the debate around him. I think he's five foot nine, isn't he? So there is a debate there about whether that would work. I mean, I don't know how many five foot nine centre-backs have worked in the Premier League and especially in the Premier League of late. There's, n- I, I mean, I don't know if you've got an example of like, of like a recent example. I know Cannavaro is one that you go back to, but a recent example, I find one hard to find. But that's not to say that he couldn't be that that first example of a, a defender being able to make it work. I think it's interesting though. Do you think if Varane all of a sudden sorts his fitness out, what happens then? Yeah, well, it's, it's difficult and it's hard to predict really because obviously Maguire's been given the captaincy again and I think yesterday Ten Hag came out and said that when asked if he thought Maguire was an obvious starter he said I think he is he's played well in the past but he obviously has to prove it as well now he's obviously coming off a bad season so uh, that's interesting and obviously Maguire's got a lot to prove this season I think it's probably a lot of fans would probably see it as his last chance saloon in terms of certainly the captaincy but also starting position at United but um, I think that's it well that's it with Maguire for me it's like that's why it's crazy that he is captain because your captain should be almost the first name on the team sheet. There should be no debate around mm. their their starting spot. So for me, the fact that that's not even cemented and his quality as a Man United player is not cemented. It's not. It's not matter of fact. That's to me is crazy in terms of the captain because yeah. that just brings your whole leadership into question doesn't it I think yeah personally. and I think it's I think it's really tough for Ten Hag as well because obviously it's something he's probably come in and maybe he might have had other ideas of maybe who he'd want to be the captain or who he'd, who he'd ideally see that as in the future but obviously when you've got coming to United and the problems that we've got already and obviously what he's taking over from last season and obviously you've got stuff going on with Cristiano Ronaldo not knowing his future I think he's probably just looked at him and thought, you know what, if I take the captaincy away from him, this could cause another bit of unwanted, well, maybe not unwanted, because I'm not funny, not me, but I think a lot of Man United fans probably want to see Maguire taking off the captaincy and probably taking that team altogether, which right, I think so is you said, uh, you said not you, so you think Maguire should be captain, yeah? Um, I think he deserves another shot. I'd give him a season. I think if he performs like he did last season, but I think with someone like Maguire, you've signed him for so much money, I think if you strip through the captaincy, you'd probably just have to uh, accept, cut your ties and sell him yeah. because there's no way a player of £80 million and could get the captaincy taken off him 
and then still sort of function the team. I don't think he. I think it would affect him quite badly as well. Do you see his United career going any differently if Oli hadn't given him the captaincy? Like going back now, would you if you, if you could have sat Oli down before he went into that boardroom and and told Harry Maguire that he was going to be captain? Would you turn around to Oli and say, Oli, mate, maybe just don't put this pressure on him. Let's just let him become a United player first before a United captain. Um, yeah, you might have been right. Um, but I think at the time when he when he did get appointed captain, obviously you had players like David De Gea there, but we were in a really bad position. Ashley Young left mid-season, so he left it open for someone to come in. And I think at the start in his first season, and I spent especially in his second season, he played... I think he played his best football for United so he's probably an obvious sort of candidate then and I don't think when he got given the captaincy many Manchester United fans were actually sort of too disheartened about it and it's it's one of them things where last season was poor poor from everyone but Maguire didn't cover himself in any light whatsoever mm-hmm. um, and yeah like you say whether his personality is to be a Manchester United captain not sure I think he's got great qualities as a player and he can help the team but like you say, I think you've got to have a certain personality and character and resilience, and it, we'll have to wait and see to see if he can. Um, well, maybe he can yeah. show up really. Yeah. I mean, it is it is that kind of season of reckoning for Maguire. I think there's a lot of players that it, it, it there's there's a few players in that United squad that if they don't turn up next season, I think serious questions are going to have to be asked. I mean, Ten Hag's come in. I think many United fans kind of hoped that he'd have the kind of the attitude where he comes in and there was it's not a second chance for some players and some players were outcast but he has come in and said nah you're all going to get given a second chance there's players that were kind of yeah cast aside under previous management and looked like they probably didn't have a United career but they it looks like that he's going to give them a second chance so fair enough fair enough I've I think it's just interesting going back to Maguire because as a Leicester fan, he never struck me as a leader and he never was in our dressing room. Like He he might have been, I don't know if he was given the captaincy on, on the odd game maybe, but I don't, I can't, I don't think he was. I mean, Wes Morgan was captain and then obviously Schmeichel was, was vice captain. Yeah. yeah, for me personally, I say Maguire, I don't think he's a captain and he wouldn't be my captain at United. Let's move on to Ericsson. And then obviously this links to Leicester as well because Leicester were in for Ericsson. I was kind of kind of hopeful that we would get him. I think he would have been a an apt replacement for for a say if Tielemans left. Obviously he has gone to United. So where does Ericsson fit in for you? Where's um, how, what does his arrival mean for Bruno as well? Oh, well, I don't I don't particularly think it means anything for Bruno. I think well it does. He's in his position. Oh well, no, because uh, there's. But I think Bruno Fernandes is untouchable in, in terms of his starting position at Man United. But I think Ten Hag at a press conference yesterday, and he he said that he will be sort of he will play in the offensive line, Christian Eriksen, when he plays. And I've got a small little feeling that he might play off the right hand side sometimes. But I think I don't one know, I, interest- I can't see that me not at this stage in, in his career. One interesting thing he did mention was that he believes he's someone that can play a lot deeper as well. So I don't know whether that means in certain games where maybe United are planning to have more of the ball. I think you saw it at Brentford last season. I certainly saw it when he came to Old Trafford and played with Brentford, where he seems like as his career's got older and he's matured, he's he's really good at sort of dropping, almost like Wayne Rooney did when he was a, a bit older, and would literally sit in that number six role 
and play them long diagonal passes and then move in with the with the rest of the team so I agree with yeah. that I agree with he definitely is deeper he, he's definitely plays deeper now he's got the intelligence to play deeper um, I still don't think he's particularly good defensively like he's got the kind of acumen to get into positions etc and hold his positioning well but beyond that I don't think defensively he offers much and you also have to look at the rest of the United team yeah he might be a bit more deep line than Bruno but so then what you're going to have Bruno say it looks like he's going to be playing a 4-3-3 doesn't it from from pre-season that's what he's been playing so mm. then you what you have so going into from going from what you were saying you'd have Bruno and Bruno in like a more of an advanced eight role in the right side of that midfield three then maybe Ericsson on the left side in a bit of a deeper role but then you, the question comes of who you're going to have in that defensive midfield role because for me personally a midfield of De Jong Ericsson and Bruno could just get run around like I just don't know if they could do it in the Premier yeah. League I just don't know yeah. if there's that real def- out and out defensive player personally I don't know what your thoughts are on that yeah well, well, I think Ten Hag, I mean, in this system, obviously, it is like a 4 3 3, but it's almost like a 4 2 1 3 or whatever. And I think he, he always likes to play with sort of two holding as a pivot. Mm. And he, I don't know whether yeah. he, he he plays that and maybe sort of thinks he can mask other areas of the pitch where sort of a conventional holding midfielder would come in and be a ball winner. And maybe he thinks by playing two people there. And I can, I can see him really sort of getting a lot out of someone like Fred. I think and um, I don't know it's just going to be interesting I, I wish I could answer your question for you where where are they both going to fit in but but it's more your I'm opinion not, bro I'm not sure this is my opinion I'm not sure I mean that's I, I think it will just be a, a case of depth and I don't think Christian Eriksen will play every game and I don't I don't think it would be wise for him to play every game I don't know I think the whole Eriksen signing I think it's just just don't. It wasn't what United needed. And I don't know if it's more from a biased point of view because I think it's a shame that he did couldn't come to us and and he would have been a bit. A team would have been built around him and he would have had that prominent role in a team that is. It is. We are challenging for stuff and I think with Ericsson and addition like Ericsson it would only further our put our push for for more trophies and to get into maybe in and around that top six. And with United, there's just not an obvious place. I get it from Eric Ten Hag's view. He wants people that are like-minded, people that are, are going to fit his system and, and people that he knows that he can kind of... He, well, Ericsson is more of a, a system player than Bruno, I think. I think Bruno's in that same conversation as Maguire where next season is huge for Bruno and he needs to prove... Because I don't think personally... He hasn't. He hasn't proved that he can play in like this in a team that is tactically really good. Everyone's doing their job. And it's a team that are genuinely pushing for something. He hasn't. He hasn't mm. played in that team yet. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I just don't think I, I can. I just find it hard to see how people can criticise Bruno Fernandes. And I, I know he's a bit of a. Sometimes he tr- he tries the Hollywood balls, and he's a bit he's a bit sort of erratic sometimes, which is which is definitely true. But I just don't think I think just Manchester United's team would be so much far worse off under any manager without him in there. But that's not the point I'm making, and the Hollywood balls and the the being erratic is not part of it either. It's more of just a, it's more of a concentration thing. It's more of an intelligence thing. It's more of a in, intelligent pressing, and he, you just see it sometimes. It he does lose concentration. Maybe that does come down to him being erratic. And I think, but it's not. To, I'm not saying that he couldn't do it. I'm just saying I don't think I've seen it yet. 
I don't think I've seen him in like a real well-oiled team where everyone's got a job to do. Whereas Ericsson, I think, does fit that. Ericsson is a disciplined player and he will just play the simple ball every now and then for the betterment of the, the rest of the team. Ericsson's more of a kind of makes 9 out of 10 passes. Bruno makes maybe 2 out of the 10. Uh, but Bruno's might be a little bit more eye-catching. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I, I also think Ericsson kind of is similar to where probably De Jong would play if you signed him. I think yeah, De Jong and, Bru- left De Jong and him are probably su- more similar than Bruno. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. And, I mean, the De Jong saga, I mean, it's going on for so long, I've no idea if it's going to happen or if it's... If it will happen, I mean, it's got to the point where I'm not even bothered if it does happen or not. I mean, it's got that boring, and but it would be really interesting, and I think Dion would sort of enhance so many players around him as well. Even those players that often struggled at times last season, and I think he'd even up people's games like Scott McTominay, who I don't think are has the quality obviously to start every week for Man United. I think he's a, he's a solid squad player at best, Scott McTominay. Mm. Maybe Ten Hag can get more out of him. But I think yeah, it'd be it'd be really interesting to see how Dion could get more out of Bruno Fernandes maybe, and yeah. Dion's played with people in systems at Ajax and at Barcelona with players who are used to playing in these sort of rigid systems where everyone knows what like what like you mentioned, everyone knows what they're doing. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how Bruno would play with these better midfielders who are sort of a bit more disciplined than him. Mm-hmm. I, I I'd like to see Bruno add that to his game because I think the talent is is undeniable. Like Bruno Fernandez is one of the best talents in world football. Like he can do things on the pitch that ninety nine percent of players cannot do and wouldn't even think of doing. He sees things that even players in the or fans in the crowd don't see. That's not up for debate. I think it is just the it's kind of the intangibles. It's the yeah, it's the discipline, it's the concentration, it's the just kind of just the acumen and I think maybe that'll come with time he's still not he's not old is he Bruno he's got many no. years ahead of him so yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see right we'll move on now from Manchester United and we'll move on to Chelsea now they took quite a while to get going in the transfer window but they have completed well their first well they've definitely completed the signing of Raheem Sterling for 50 million from Manchester yeah. City and then I might be wrong it might have been announced in like the last few hours or yesterday but Kaladu Koulibaly is joining Chelsea for 33 million 31 yeah. years old we'll stick with Koulibaly first I think it could it definitely could be viewed as kind of a short sighted signing in terms mm. of this is for the here and now he's brought in to be an instant impact and beyond the next two to three years probably hasn't even been brought into the equation by Tuchel and his, and his staff and Todd Bowley as well do you think this kind of this signing highlights the extent of Chelsea's problems at the centre of the defence and just how desperate they are to be bringing person out um, I'm not sure I think that might be a bit harsh um, I think Kula Valley is obviously a player that maybe you could obviously view this move or a move to like a top team like Chelsea as something that's happened two or three years too late in his career mm. but I think you look at age the 31 years old for, for a central defender it's it isn't that old. I mean, he's in the prime years right now. And obviously, you look at other people in the team, like Thiago Silva coming on to 38 years old. So I think in, in defence, it's, uh, it's one of them ones where it, it's sort of okay to sign players sort of either 
just coming to the end of their peak or on their way out because they can still do a job and they can offer something and it, he's great for the young defenders in there obviously if the boys in the academy coming through it'd be brilliant to learn off but I do think it, it there is sort of a clear sort of correlation between what's happened since Roman Abramovich has left the club and obviously Todd Bowley's come in and he's sort of got rid of all the people at the top and he wants to do everything on his own which is fine if he thinks he can handle that and I'm, I'm not sure it's the brightest idea that he should be doing this mm. but yeah it does sort of it does smack it smacks of a little bit of you know um, he's got the big the franchise in America and he wants to make these summer signings these top signings with the here and now ready made players hence why he was sort of interested in bringing Ronaldo to the club but yeah, I think Kula Bali, I think it's a really solid signing. And like you say, Chelsea's never been a team for planning for the future. It's always been about the here and now. And let's win trophies. So mm. I think Tuchel maybe feels after last season where Chelsea sort of tailed off since certainly in the last six months of the season, didn't win a trophy. Maybe Tuchel feels like this isn't the club where you sort of you can buy yourself time and build something through youth and everything like that. So he probably thinks, you know what, if I'm going to save myself and win some more trophies here, I better get the players in now that are ready to go. Yeah, and it does have a sense that Todd Bowley is really trying to prove himself as, as the new Chelsea owner and proving that he is going to replicate or go beyond what Abramovich did. I mean, that'd be incredibly hard to go up beyond even to replicate what Abramovich did. I mean... This is a lot of criticism around uh, Abramovich, and, and rightly so. But no one can deny the success that he had with Chelsea. And it'll be interesting. It is going to be interesting next season for Chelsea. It's, it is a kind of, it's going to be a transitional season, but their fans... It's interesting, yeah, because in certain senses it is transitional and there will be kind of patience awarded to maybe certain players and, and Todd Bowley, for, for example. But I think Tuchel... Chelsea fans might lose patience with Tuchel if mm. if they have a particularly poor season. So maybe if they're in and around, maybe that'll be even more demoralising, being in and around and, and not quite in the chase for the Tarts, etc. Because that's where, obviously, Chelsea fans see themselves. But just looking at their like op- remaining options at centre-back, obviously, Andreas Christensen went to Barcelona, Antonio Rudiger to Bayern Munich, and then Aspilicueta looks like he's leaving. I don't know if you've Rudiger, Rudiger, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, we're looking at the remaining options. They've got Malang Saar, who I, mm. I'm i not too convinced about, to be honest. I mean, something might change. He might he might develop into a... a I think he's a solid centre-back. But yeah. whether he's anything above that, I don't know. And I've seen there's a little bit... He's a bit of a liability at times, I think. And he wasn't particularly trusted, was he, too much last season. Travis Shalaber, I think, had an interesting season last season. Did well, but then again, kind of did slip out of the first team sometimes. So it'd be interesting to see whether he is kind of afforded more responsibility this season. I know he did play a fair share of games, but there was times where it was kind of Christensen would be favoured ahead of him. Thiago Silva, obviously, and obviously Rudiger. And then obviously you got Thiago Silva, who's the remaining option. If we're looking at that, obviously you've added Kula Bali in there, so that's four centre backs available with a free back system. And then obviously the li- the rumours are the well, if we're looking at the most likely players to come in, you've got Kunde and Kim Pembe. I think yeah. at the moment Kim Pembe appears the more likely. I think maybe going yeah. off reports. 
I'd think um, that'd be the more cost-effective one as well. Yeah, and Kunde, the uh, Kunde obviously at Sevilla and Kimpembe at PSG, but the Kunde deal, it's kind of it's been a really long-winded one. I know I saw that they'd taken his name out of the the mega store Sevilla had, so I don't know if that may, may, means anything. I think it's it's interesting as well. I was looking at the squad. There's kind of players at both ends of the spectrum. You've got the the Kaladu Koulibaly's, you've got the Thiago Silva's, these really uh, experienced players. And then we have, there is a lot of kind of untried players. Like Kimpembe, I like Kimpembe. I like his kind of, he's he's a he's got a lot of determination. He's got a lot of character as well about him as a player. You see that. But whether he is, again, he is a little bit of a liability sometimes. And there is a lot of question marks around him. I think he'd be a good option for Chelsea to bring in. But again, I'd be be really interested to see how he could do in the in the Premier League I don't know about you what are your thoughts on, on yeah I've never been that keen on him really like no. you say he's got a lot of heart he's he's definitely a warrior on the pitch and he, he's not too bad with the ball at his feet either technically he's quite good but yeah I mean I've seen him moments I mean just like remember, I think he was remember that penalty he gave away in the last minute against United in the Champions League mm. in that famous game and it was that handball and he just yeah he's just he just gets a bit desperate sometimes I think and he makes he, silly mistakes yeah. and in the Premier League he'll get punished a lot more than he would in Ligue 1 he's just a kind of player as well that's at the centre of pandemonium isn't he so whatever's going off like whatever yeah. kind of argy-bargy yeah. is going on he's there right at the centre of it and maybe yeah. not always for the best reasons I, I, think, an I interest- think that's born out of playing for PSG you reckon <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of have that kind of Spursy mentality don't they PSG where it kind of it all just falls apart at one stage it all just falls Mm. apart maybe that's the Maurizio Pochettino effect yeah possibly right and also I want to talk about as well is this Levi Colwell situation obviously he is another option at Chelsea but I didn't list him in those options because it does look like he will leave Chelsea if they sign more defenders Crystal Palace Leicester Southampton and Brighton are all interested he was on loan at Huddersfield last season I think he really impressed a lot of people. I've seen bits of him, um, and I kind of everything I've seen about him and heard about him kind of spells him being a very good player coming going yeah. forward. Nineteen years old. Those there's just a lot of irony around Chelsea and the fact that they were trying to bring in Nathan Ake as well, and that's fallen through. He's staying at Manchester City, but Nathan Ake was a former uh, academy graduate at Chelsea. Didn't make it. Was sold. And then came back, well, sold, and then they're trying to get him to come back, pay a load of money for him, 40 million or whatever, while they've got Colwell, who is kind of the equivalent of Nathan Ake now, sat on the bench or potentially leaving. It makes no sense. And I don't. Because no. Tuchel has shown that he's willing to offer youth players opportunities to play. Saw it last season with Tre- Trevor Shalaber. Um, there must be other young players, I don't know. But Tre- Trevor Shalaber is a good example. He's willing to give these players a chance, but why not with Colwell? I don't know. Maybe he's seen something we haven't. I don't know if you've got yeah. any thoughts on this situation. No, you, I mean, it, it always Chelsea is sort of always confusing one, isn't it? Because you think that maybe Colwell, maybe he's maybe he can't quite cut it in that level. That's what Tuchel maybe thinks. But I mean, the, the players that they've let go on permanent deals, sort of Gwehi, Tamori, who I think both yeah. of them would probably walk into Chelsea's starting lineup right now. So, I mean, certainly Tamori would. So I think Gwehi it's would difficult be to in judge. The as well. 
Yeah, and I, I just don't know what they're what they're planning on doing at Chelsea as well. With like so, so many players that have let go over the years that they could actually really do with now players like Tariq Lamptey and Timo Liveramento. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure what the system is, and I think I think it probably is a case of it's always been got this great academy and we'll basically a lot of our revenue will come in from us building up these players and selling mm. them on for bigger fees yeah they've made a lot of money from it I think I can't remember what the time scale was but they've made like 200 million in the last like five years I want to say or something like that um, yeah it's interesting we'll keep an eye on that Colwell situa- situation I'd like to see him at Leicester um, I think he'd be a good option and having him and Fafana in centre back together would be brilliant and he's also mm. maybe a couple of years behind Fafana, which means that you kind of bridge the gap between Fafana leaving. I don't know, yeah. I'd be happy with it. I think Crystal Palace looked like the most likely option, though. Right, yeah, we'll move on to Arsenal now. Obviously, they've had a, they've had a decent window, pretty active. Um, I can't remember what they'd completed when we last spoke. I don't think any of to be fair. Um, but obviously, we'll start with the, probably the, the marquee signing as of yet. Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City to Arsenal. What are your initial thoughts on this deal, Westy? Do you think it's... Obviously, we were speaking before the transfer window and a striker was definitely what Arsenal needed. Is Gabriel Jesus, does he fit that profile? I think, I think he... I think, it's a, I think it's a decent signing. I don't think it's anything to sort of write home about. I mean, I don't know. I've just never been that sold on Gabriel Jesus. Uh, I don't see him as someone that's going to score you 20, 25 goals a season. I think that's what Arsenal should have gone and got. I'm not obviously the market nowadays. Obviously, with yeah. like sort of Haaland going, City, Nunes going. I mean, and Arsenal's stance as a Europa League side, I think that's really sort of hampered them in the transfer market in terms of attracting that next level. I think if they had held on to that Champions League spot, they could have probably got that sort of next level of player. And I think that's. I, I mean, I think it's considering the Europa League, and but there's a project going on, and I think Jesus, I think he's a solid player, and I think it's good how he can play off sort of all four front three four positions right off the left and obviously that's not he's a four-time Premier League champion he's scored quite a lot of goals for Manchester City he's obviously a good player and he will score goals for Arsenal so I do think it's a good signing in that aspect but mm. I think if they were wanting someone to come in and guarantee goals I'm not too sure he's the man yeah I think you make a good point in terms of he does fit the the project regardless of what people say about his quality, well, how many goals he's going to score, his reliability, he he he, he does. He fits that that um, that Mikel Arteta system. He fits it perfectly, and the kind of rotating the free flowing attacking players, he does fit that system. And and yeah, I think Arteta likes to have his players drifting in and out of positions. You've got Martinelli that can also drift into the centre position. You've also got Smith Rowe as well. You wonder as well. Well, they have got Nketiah as well, haven't they? He was, a, he was a good option to have, and obviously he had a great end to the season. I think he's had a, a good start to pre-season as well. It's interesting though, in terms of the Champions League argument and saying that they get be able to sign that next level striker. I think for me, you'd struggle to get outside of the the Haaland, who was always going to go to Manchester City. Arsenal were never in that run. Darwin Nunes, once Liverpool come into it he wasn't going to go Arsenal even if they had Champions League but aside from that the market no. isn't too great really is it I mean can you think of another striker there is because below the new Nunes and, and Haaland you've obviously got like the Alexander Isaac you've got like Gabriel Jesus that like 
Hugo Ekatike that's just gone to mm. PSG. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, who I else th- is that? Who else is in that mm. bracket? Of, I mean, I think they were looking heavily at the Giancula Scamacca from Sassuolo. But like you say, I mean, he yeah. looked really promising, don't get me wrong. But if you look at his goal record, uh, last season in Serie A was the only sort of season where he really sort of kicked on and, and scored goals. Before that, he'd been scoring mm. very little amount of goals and he'd... I mean, he's only young still, but like mm. you say, I mean, I, I'm, we're talking here about we need someone who's going to get you 25 goals a season, and obviously Skamaka could well come in and do that for Arsenal. But the more safe option right now, obviously, is Jesus. So, like you say, there's not massive options out there, but um, no. yeah, maybe Jesus is a player that they've signed in the view that maybe in a year or two, if their project continues in the right path and they do get in the Champions League and they build, they win a trophy. Maybe Jesus is someone who, who will be happy to sort of drift out to that left-hand side and then sign another striker. Yeah. They've also signed Marquinhos, yeah. who's a youngster from Sao Paulo. They've signed Fabio Vieira as well from Porto, who I think does look like a really interesting player. And I mean, they want to be a highlight merchant, but I've seen some yeah. some very good highlights of him. He looks like he's almost going to be... I think people, when he first got announced, people thought he was going to be that, that Tielemans player, that player playing in like the number eight alongside the party, but he's not, is he? He's yeah. a bit more of a, an yeah, advanced player. Sort of I think he's some sort of competition so, for Odegaard, really, in that sort of area of the pitch. And he looks also looks like someone who can sort of right. drift wide and come in. But I think, yeah, like you say, from I've never really watched him play properly, but the videos I've seen, and he just looks like the, the mould, the sort of shape, the build. He just looks like an Arsenal player, doesn't need a flair, the dropping into pockets, creative yeah. on the turn. And I think that's just everything Arteta is looking for. Mm, and another player moving on is uh, almost like a new signing is William Saliba returning from Marseille. He did, mm. he, had, he did brilliantly on loan last season. He did well with in the six months he had at Nice as well in that in the 2021 season, I want to say. I think he's going to be... I'm really interested to see how he does next season, Saliba. I think yeah. obviously Ben White and Gabriel kind of cemented their their place last season. They have a re- resolute uh, partnership in defence and and one that Arsenal haven't really had for a long time. I think probably going back to like what would you say is the last best um, centre back pair they have? Mertesacker and Koscielny. But yeah, you'd, you'd have to say so. Yeah, that, I mean that was the last time they were in the Champions League. So <laughs> yeah, so like yeah, there's not really much to go off in recent years, is there? With Arsenal no. kind of reliable players. I think I, I like really like Ben White. I think Gabriel. There are again. It goes back to that kind of how dependable he is, how reliable he is, that kind of discipline. But maybe that's uh, just part of his game, and maybe it's something he can iron out. But I like I like the look of both of them, and it'll be just interesting because Saliba. I mean, he's already said that he's only going to st- stay if he's got assurances that he is going to be starting. Yeah. And there's pl- there's teams there ready to buy him. He's still only 21 years old. I think. He's a French international. He wants to be in the France squad for the World Cup coming up in December. Mm, I, I, I'm, I think it will be a player to watch this season, Saliba, and how it developed because he is not going to be happy sat on the no. bench. He just isn't. No, yeah. And like you say, he's obviously looking for assurances and he's not played for us. He's not played a single minute of actual competitive football. No. But obviously he has to... Yeah, he's got to come in and prove it. You know what I mean? Like you say, Ben White and Gabriel, they've they obviously it's a bit of a slip up near the end of the season when they sort of collapsed a bit Arsenal, but for the most part, two thirds of the season they look really solid and they've got an understanding together, especially with the fullbacks mm. as well. And and I mean they weren't helped last season with the fullbacks. It was so constantly chop and change for 
that who was playing around and yeah. Tavares most of the time Tierney can't stay fit and then you've got Cedric Suarez yeah, even yeah, Cedric Suarez at right back because Tom Yasu couldn't stay yeah. fit so yeah and um, I think obviously Zinchenko as well if that yeah. looks like well it I is mean, done actually so that's definitely yeah. some a, a good good solid backup not backup because I'd probably say he's actually starting quality for Arsenal definitely but I think I think he walks into the Arsenal I think team. I know we were having yeah. a debate yesterday. I mean, what are your thoughts on this signing, just for the listeners at home? Yeah, like, I think it's similar in the the Jesus model. I think it's it's good. It's probably it's good for the project. It's someone who can play in multiple positions. He's versatile, and I think for what Arteta wants to play, that sort of the high press and then also the sort of quick passes, like the one and two touches. I think if you look at Zinchenko, that's some of his best qualities. I think if you see him when he drops into them yeah. pockets in midfield and he's playing them little bounce passes off and he's great on the turn he's got a low centre of gravity so he's really good in the press yeah. resi- he's press resistant as well which is what people like Arteta Guardiola all these sort of managers want nowadays so I think mm. in that aspect it's a good signing but I think it's like I say it's similar to Jesus where I'm not sure it will take him to that next level but I think no. I, I, think, I think, think he could be part of a collective where if they sign more players yeah. around him they could definitely play in a team yeah. that's next level. Yeah, and I think it is. There's just no harm bringing in two players that have played at Manchester City for a, a long yeah. period of time. Like the standards set at Manchester City are just ridiculously high. They're off the charts, and they even if you're not that good of a player, just those standards set in training, and he'll just raise the bar in training. Yeah, someone like Zinchenko, I, I genuinely think he's a player to watch for like a. A signing of the season. That's it's like an early shout for me, but I genuinely, I really, really highly rate um, Zinchenko, and I'm, I'm of the belief as well that Manchester City often make players look average, like their own players. They make them look average sometimes because there's a level that is there. But for me, if you look average in a Man City side, that is still ridiculously high level. Yeah, and it is just that kind of you, you get into habits, and it's like you. Like the bare minimum that you put in at Man City is still way higher than any other team. Yeah. What's what's the one I'm looking for? Like the the standard standards, I suppose is the word. Like the standards that are set. Um, I think personally as well. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think he'll be playing centre midfield, and I hope he will be as well. Plays there for for Ukraine. Obviously, I think it was his kind of favoured position when he was younger. I think he was even an attacking midfielder. You know, when he was younger. Yeah. Well, he played in the attacking midfield against Scotland, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think to like in like the kind of attacking or, or to the left of a midfield yeah. three, but be more attacking player. Yeah, he reminds me of sort of obviously. I don't think he's as good as him, but he's just some sort of mould of David Alaba, isn't he? Where obviously mm. notoriously he's a left back. You could probably say Zinchenko, if if they were struggling, that he could play centre half on that left side. And um, yeah, yeah like you say, he can drift into different positions and. I think they definitely needed some backup for Tierney as well. I mean, because I don't know how long Arsenal give that. Do they give it another season? But I think eventually they might just have to cut ties with him because he cannot stay fit whatsoever. No, no, it is a really tough one. And I mean, I hate to go back to Leicester again, but we're in a similar position. I mean, Wilfred and Diddy's just got injured again. I'm not sure how long it's going to be. He's going to be out for, but he's getting to the point. Like, Wilfred and Diddy, like, he's one of our best players. And we're a better team when he's here. But when do you when do you get to a point where you just say enough is enough? Like, yeah, there's literally no point having a player that's 
he's played like half our games every season now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like for the last couple of seasons, it's just yeah, you feel like you bang your head against a brick wall. Yeah, we're going to move on now to Tottenham. Um, I think they're showing that they're kind of going against a lot of predictions. Um, uh, Tottenham and especially Daniel Levy. I think a lot of people thought that there was going to be this kind of difference of opinion of what was needed from Levy's side and Conte's side and whether Levy would fall short of, of Conte's expectations in the transfer window. I think it's fair to say that he's not. Yeah. I think he, I wouldn't say he's gone above what Conte would have expected. I think this is I think what we're seeing is literally exactly what Conte wants he's getting. And it, I think it's a wise thing to do. I think when you've got a manager of Conte's quality and his ability to just build a team. Yeah. We'll go through the signings now. Ivan Perisic and Fraser Forster on free transfers. Well, yeah, Eve Basuma for 25 million plus add-ons from Brighton. Richarlison 60 million including add-ons from Spurs. Clement Longley on loan, and I think Jed Spence from Middlesbrough obviously was on loan at Nottingham Forest last season. That seems to be imminent as well. Do you think it's as good as it appears on the surface, Tottenham's transfer window? Or do you reckon people might be getting ahead of themselves, maybe? Or? Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're all sort of... I think they're all really solid signings, but I just think, I just think football fans are nowadays... And I'm probably sort of guilty of it every now and then as well. I think we all are, but we just love that football fans just love to get ahead of themselves, don't they? And there's certain yeah, you are the worst. There's for it, certain mate. players that, and I know full well. I know you've seen. I've seen. I've got. I know Tottenham fans on Twitter and stuff like that. And there's certain players like some like Richarlison. I know. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a decent player, isn't he? And he he's, he he can score. He can he can contribute in big games. But there's a lot of fans out there, including Tottenham fans, that probably didn't rate him that highly and probably thought, you know what, you know, if he was linked with Arsenal, oh, they can have him. He's not that good, Richarlison. Then he signs to your club, and that's just a funny thing about football. I mean, everyone, he's he's amazing. He's a top signing. He's, he's But yeah. I think I think the signing, I think, is the best one, Basuma. I think that goes without yeah. saying. I mean, 25 million for someone of his quality and... A position that they need strengthening. I think Winks and Hoyberg. Winks is out is on his way. Hoyberg. Yeah, Winks is on the way out. I like Hoyberg, and I think he's good. I think he's a good squad player, and he's yeah, he's yeah. really solid for the job he does. But he's not going to take Tottenham to that next level. I think Basuma will. No. Yeah, I really like Basuma. I think he's brilliant. I think he can defend, but he can also has got the quality as well to when he gets the ball to trigger attacks and not just play that sideways pass. Yeah. He looks forward, he plays between the lines. He's also brilliant running with the ball as well. And, yeah, I think he he's another player that he's a really one that he should keep an eye on next season because, he yeah, he could have a, a brilliant impact. And if we're looking at Spurs, like, the signings they've made with Conte, like, he's pretty unbelievable, yeah. to be fair. And the manager can't really ask for much more, like... Because also I include Bentancur and Kulisevsky in that as well. Yeah, they are new. Signs. And those two were unbelievable. And to get those quality of players in yeah. in January as well, because Bentancur, you can already see the Bentancur and Basuma double pivot. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Perisic as well and Jed Spence. I mean, perfect sort of two signings. I mean, you know, people look at Perisic's age; he's thirty three. But if you if you watched him, obviously we've all watched him for Croatia and. Inter Milan last season he was one of the standout performers 
in the Serie A and he's still got the physique and he's got the capabilities to play in that intense uh, type of yeah. system so there's no reason why he wouldn't do it for a bit of short term game and for someone like Jed Spence mm. as well and even other players in that sort of position at Tottenham coming through and he'll be such a great player to learn off as well Perisic I mean yeah. all of the experience and everything and not only is he he's he's okay get defensively I mean he's obviously naturally he's a winger by trade but he's yeah. sort of made that left wing back role into his, his own really and he's just going to be so good I think he's even for the, the dressing room and everything I think you just bring that winning mentality in that's what Tottenham yeah. have sort of fallen at the last hurdle in the last few years they've had great players they've had good players who can sort of win uh, score in big games and sort of contribute and get them to that sort of almost almost a pinnacle but I think they've lacked them leaders and winners who have done it and been there mm. uh, that could take them to yeah. their trophies and I think he's a type of player that will help them get a trophy this season yeah, and I think it's that proper refresh, isn't it, as well? Because I think there was, it's just been a lot of, a lot of, not, I wouldn't say dead wood at Spurs. I mean, there has been. But I think there's just, it kind of like people were just, they were just in this kind of cycle. And it was just the same players that had experienced, like, the heartbreak of missing out on winning the title when we won it, missing out on the Champions League. And it just needed a refresh. It needed new ideas and players that are coming that haven't got those kind of pre-existing kind of trauma, basically. Because they've experienced a lot of trauma, that Spurs side. Like they've always been the nearly team. Yeah. And it must be draining as well. It must be draining. And I think as well, obviously, we talk about the new signings, but the impact that he's had on some of the players' content. Because now we look at, you look at players like Eric Dyers and Ben Davies, who we would have looked at before and gone, they'll probably be the first out the door under a Conte. But Ben Davis was brilliant near the end of last season. Eric Dyer was probably the best I've ever seen him last season, like near the end, under Conte as yeah. well. I mean, we've not even really spoke about Clement Longley. Mm. I know you're you've you've had kind of a, a bit of a a love affair with Longley, haven't you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it all stemmed from sort of mine and Joel's foot champs days. For anyone listening, he was in my <laughs> ultimate team, and he was just sort of a, he, he became a mainstay. I think Joel will tell you, and made over three hundred mm. appearances for the club. But anyway, let's get off of that. He's now joined Tottenham. Um, let's get into the real yeah, world. Thank God. No, but uh, yeah, Longley as well. I think I've seen a lot of people sort of criticising this and sort of saying, you know, he's he's finished. He's a rubbish player. Couldn't get into Barcelona's team, but. I think a lot of people nowadays they sort of fail to accept or realise that someone can play badly and have some bad form for a different club and go to another manager mm. and play really well. And I mean, he's only 27 years old. People are acting as if he's had his best years. His best years are still technically in front of him, especially as a defender. 27 is no age at all. And yeah, yeah I mean, he came into Barcelona and he was really good for the first couple of seasons. And then obviously off the field stuff happened and with everything that happens at Barcelona. And I don't think he could be really properly to blame for sort of his sort of decline at Barcelona. Obviously he didn't play well in himself when I've watched him and people will tell you that. But there's no reason why if Antonio Conte sees him as that sort of left left footed defender that he wants and mm. I don't think he's gonna be a starter every game, do you? 
Mm, I mean, I, th- I think it, he might. When you look at, I mean, look at. I think I could see him slotting in with Dyer, Romero, Romero, really. Yeah. But then again, Ben Davies was brilliant. I can't. Yeah. You just can't see. It would be mad to me, and it would be a bold statement for Conte to go out with the same back three as last season. Yeah. I know they did well towards the end of last season, but I think everyone was expecting someone new. But maybe not. Maybe Longley will be one of them signings that comes in and doesn't have the impact at all that people were hoping. I think. It is, you're right in saying, though, that you shouldn't be judged too much. I mean, Barcelona has hardly been the ideal place for a player in the, not, the yeah. last few seasons. And he's he's come through with Barcelona, and he is an academy graduate. Am I right in saying that? No, no, no. They sign um, no. They signed him from Sevilla. Right, so they signed him from Sevilla. Well, he's come into Barcelona at not a good time for Barcelona. And there's been a lot of players that have kind of fallen by the wayside and not achieved what they needed to or, or wanted to. I mean, it, there's actually more that haven't achieved what they should have than have achieved at this point with Barcelona. I think it's going to be interesting. I think... Mm, oh, oh, in terms of... I mean, I don't know if you've, you seem to have watched him more than me. In terms of the problems, what is there any kind of obvious things that he needs to iron out to to perform better in the Premier League? Are there any things you've identified that were the key issues he was having at Barcelona? Um, not particularly. I think he's a solid player. I think he's. He, I think he will suit the Premier League in terms of his, his his ability on the ball. I think he's. I think he's good. I think he's good at coming out from defence and sort of finding that pass and sort of linking in with the midfield. Um, mm. I think maybe you could maybe pinpoint his his pace a little bit. Maybe that's right. Sort sort of as well, sort of one on one defending and stuff. Maybe sort of when there's someone quick running at him on the, on the turn, getting at him. A bit like sort of like you'd say something like Harry Maguire, sort of you no, know, like the turning <laughs> turning capacity and stuff. Yeah, but he is. A, he, I'm glad we we agree on that, mate. Yeah, Boeing six seven seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he. I think he's solid. I mean, I'm not going to talk about him like I, I watch him week in week out and I no. analyze his game. But from what I watch of him, he's had a poor couple of seasons at Barcelona. But like I say, I think it's like having a poor couple of seasons at Manchester United. I mean, it's such a yeah. it's like a poison chalice. It's so hard for people to thrive there. Yeah, it's a loan deal as well, so not really anything to lose there for Spurs. I mean, we'll probably finish wrap the podcast up now, really. But just a last couple of initial thoughts on Manchester City's business. Calvin Phillips joins Erling Haaland, Julian Alvarez. And goalkeeper Stefan Ortega as City's new arrivals. Hmm. Cucurella is likely to, I want to say, round off their summer business. I'm not sure if you can see them signing anyone else. I mean, Ake is staying. Now. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm going to put it out there now, and I could see by September the first Neymar being a Manchester City player. I'm going to say it now. Mm. Watch this space. I've seen rumours. I think. It w- it would be pretty surprising to be honest I was about to say it wouldn't surprise me but it would surprise me I think it would surprise me just purely with Haaland going there I think Haaland's supposed to be that beacon that talisman that guy to yeah. lead the team how many how many egos do you want in a team do you know what I mean yeah and also it's a case of I think Neymar's fantastic but I think he's fantastic in a league like La Liga where it's a bit maybe I think he'd be perfect for someone like Juventus in the Serie A where it's slow because I think I think I could see him going to Manchester City and obviously you can't doubt his talent he's one of the best footballers of the last of our generation 
But no. with that sort of football the City going to play, and especially now with Haaland, it's going to be sort of sped up a bit where it's sort of trying to get the ball fast on the cat or in behind to him as well. Neymar yeah. is that sort of player. Is he that sort of player that hits you on the... He's sort of a... Gets the ball and he sort of walks a bit, doesn't he? He sort of slows the build-up. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure he'd fit, but I could see it happening. That's what I'm saying. But Pep as well is all about recycling the ball, isn't he? And he's all about not really dribbling. He doesn't really like it if his players go at players. No. He obviously, they, within reason, but you've got to do it productively. Like You can't just keep giving the ball away. We've seen it with like a Mahrez, seen it with Jack Grealish at their previous clubs. They just go at teams and they just go at players and it wouldn't matter how many times they gave the ball away. But the City system, recycling possession, pulling players out of positions, you can't give the ball away for that. No. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think it'd be interesting because I think it would tell you more about... Well, actually, I was going to say that Pep didn't manage Neymar, did he? No. No. So I, I can't see that happening personally. I think if there was a pre-existing relationship and Pep had seen something that, say, other people hadn't, they could see it happening. But I just think Pep's too sensible. Yeah. I think you're probably and right. Everything, he's got to have his final say on everything at, at Man City. They ain't just going to go and sign him for him. But you never know. You never know. Like, I don't know. Maybe he sees that that kind of player as what he needs to get that Champions League. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, mm. but I mean, he's not really proven that track record at PSG, so is he worth it? That's no. the thing, you know. No, it'd be interesting. I mean, I'd love to see it just for the Premier League. Yeah, of course. It'd, it'd, it'd just be exciting, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it'd be really exciting. Mm. It's the type of player that needs to just... You always want them to give you at least a couple of seasons in England, don't they? Yeah, I think I think Neymar as well. I know a lot of people kind of... They often think about players like Neymar, the Brazilian, the South American players. Oh, they wouldn't be able to do it in the Premier League. I think almost they're... Brazilian players and the South American players are almost more suited to the Premier League. Yeah, the tougher, the yeah, robust. I mean, They've been growing up on the streets playing street football and cage football. And exactly, it's nothing compared to the Premier. League. Well, well, I mean, the Premier League's nothing compared to that. You know yeah, I mean? um, yeah. All right then, I think that's a good episode to come back on, Westy. Really enjoyed that. I yeah. don't know if there are any other areas you would have liked to cover. No, no. Cover. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to cover when we're next back. And yeah, the, the season will just be on the horizon as well, which is really looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll have some Leicester City transfer business to talk about. Oh, I'll, I'm not gonna, yeah, I wouldn't. Not, I'm gonna hold my breath. Yeah, won't get your hopes up, mate. No, it's really odd with what's going on at Leicester, and I do need to talk about it briefly just for the, the Leicester City supporters listening at home. I feel your pain. I think all of us are just in a position at the moment where we're in a limbo, where. I think even like every club, every club signed. We're the only club in the Premier League that hasn't signed anyone, and it's a weird place to be. We've got a brilliant squad. Don't get me wrong, but it's having someone to just attach your your anticipation and your optimism for next season to. And we know we haven't got that yet. We haven't got anyone, and I think it is going to be a case with Leicester fans. I think it's going to be a case of us, us having to temper our expectations in terms of the the profile a player brought in. I think. Depth is probably or the order of the day this transfer window. I think we've got a, we've got match winners. We've got a really solid team there. We've if I'm, if I'm honest, we've got like a first eleven there that doesn't really need anything else added into it. But we need depth, and hopefully, I'm praying to God we'll have some transfers to talk about next week or whenever we return for the podcast. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, just you've to, got six weeks. Six weeks of the window. Six there. weeks, right? That's that's not right. That's enough time. I'm still getting over yeah. Ericsson to be honest. I really, I thought we had him. I really did. What well, I thought. I'm Brendan's not sure, how, I'm sure why. Work. Not sure why you ever thought you had him. What? What do you mean? I don't. I don't think the links were ever really concrete, were they? It was more of them Leicester no, City was, extra fan pages. No, we'd offered. No, no, no. They were. We, it was concrete that we'd offered, and he was mulling over the contract. Not but sure that's just, that's off. Well, yeah, that's hundred percent, mate. We saw, it was all in. It's all like Leicester Mercury. All the big uh, journalists covered that. But obviously, there was nothing concrete because he didn't accept it. The only concrete thing that's happened yeah. is him going to Manchester United and got to live with that. And I'll just wait to see it all fall down at United. But actually, from my perspective, I honestly hope he does well. Because if he doesn't do well, it's just a waste. Like, I want to see him do well at United. So then I can go, fair play. Yeah, at least he actually he didn't come to Leicester for a reason. But if it all goes uh, Pete Tom, yeah. then yeah, there's no point. Um, but in terms of where the podcast and where we've been for the last few months, we've just kind of had other things to do, really. We're sorry that we didn't get to do a roundup of last season. Well, I kind of wish we had, if I'm honest. Like, I'm, I, like, I enjoyed doing that episode. I don't, We could do like a way too late one, maybe. But it probably is too late now, isn't it, really, to do a roundup of last season? Yeah. Like, however many I think, months I think, uh, yeah. I think more of previews more suited for next season. Yeah. It's a shame though that, but yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, but we we are back now. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get one done towards the end of last next week. We'll be able to do a, a transfer um, review um, of some yeah. kind. Obviously, I don't know if you've seen on the page recently, but we've welcomed a new addition to Divided Opinion. Uh, Ning has joined onto the team. He's got experience in the kind of football content making world so hopefully he's going to be able to improve the content we've been making and hopefully you'll see that on the page and hopefully on the podcast as well obviously follow us on instagram at divided opinion if you want to see daily articles obviously when the season starts again there'll be match reports and clips on the podcast etc also make sure to follow the podcast click on the notifications as well so you know when the next episode is out um, yeah, I think we've covered everything there, really. Thank you for joining me, Westy. It's been a it's been a pleasure to be back. Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. Nice one. All right, go and um, sit right next to your fan, mate. I'm gonna. I don't know yeah. what I'm gonna do. Getting a paddling pool, mate. Honestly, I, I don't think there's any escaping it today, and it's almost it's too hot to be even be in the sun, really, isn't it? 38, 38 degrees. Right, yeah. Crazy. But we'll finish on. Make sure, guys, to not waste any water do your recycling um, get public transport <laughs> what? what? I thought it's good public- to, that would be a good thing to end on climate change is real mate this is what we're going through right now we've all got, a, think- all got a chip together chip in together yeah but I don't think public transport is a way to be going today mate <laughs> nah yeah maybe not today tomorrow then. <laughs> right anyway we're waffling thanks for joining us and we'll speak to you soon